listening to the coffee hour i'm andy bates i'm sarah golseth thanks to concordia university wisconsin for supporting the coffee hour find out more about concordia university wisconsin at cuw.edu live uncommon it is mental health monday and yay we get to go back to uh, our conversations with deaconess heidi and mental health monday welcome back heidi hey good to be with you it is always good to chat about mental health and we appreciate your time um and we're going to talk about emotions some more because we talked about emotions for a while we're going to talk about emotions in in various contexts or with particular groups or individuals today we're talking about teens and emotions it's a topic that might frighten some right like i feel (laughs) like i feel like it's funny because um you know, you feel like you're just opening Pandora's box a little bit when you talk about, we talked with Dr. Mars about men and women and emotions and then teens. Like, I don't know if it's the idea of emotions or if it's like these particular groups and the challenges within them um, and putting that with emotions or what, but it already feels like a little bit like, oh, oh I'm a little stressed out. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> angst. So much angst. That's a good word. <laughs> That's a common word used at that stage in life. Uh-huh. Isn't it? Yep. <laughs> so speaking of words, uh, one of the phrases that you taught us is emotional soup that we have, I think, adopted here in the coffee hour yes. and use it all too frequently. Um, it, but it, for good reasons, it helps us understand and, and relate to under, understanding one another in terms of emotions, that emotions don't happen in isolation typically, but rather uh, together, uh, various emotions all happening together. So... Let's talk about emotional soup and teens. Uh, what are or, or how might various settings or things impact how teens are experiencing emotional soup? For example, let's use, just use that that transition from like elementary school to middle school. Oof. That might happen in teens or maybe tweens <laughs> years where you go from it. For many students, it might be going from we're in the same classroom most of the day to now changing classrooms every hour. We now have lockers. We need to change clothes for PE, all thing, all kinds of things that might come with middle school or high school that students might not have experienced when they weren't a teenager or even a tweenager. Um, Mm -hmm. How might that impact emotional soup? Well, I think you mentioned two really important words. One is transition and one is control. Although maybe you didn't say control directly, but if you think about it, (laughs) <laughs> right, right. I know you were thinking it, right? Like you're just imagining all these things that um, our tweens and teens do not have control of in their life that we as adults have a fair amount of freedom in, right? So I cannot tell you how often in the therapy room I'm speaking with a teen about the fact that this will be different in a couple of years, that they will not um, have to be around the same people, that they will have more choice in who they engage with. Um, and so I think that's a huge aspect of it. And so it sounds like we're going toward control first, but then I do want to hit on transition because that does feed that emotion soup. Um, keep in mind, we all have emotion soup, right? That's one thing we've established already in this series. Uh, the teens in our lives are more emotional than we are. I think we like to believe that. I would call that a myth. I of emotion. You know, I don't have solid research on that. Maybe someone has an amazing research study that just lists all the emotions that teens are having all day long, and it's going to be way more volatile than um, myself as a 40-year-old woman. But I think in reality, 
Um, part of it is they're a little bit more on the surface because they're practicing and learning how to regulate. Um, they may be less masked than we are or more masked than we are because, again, they're practicing and learning. Um, but I think this idea of control impacts this because the less control we have over our environment, the less control we have over our sense of agency or choices in our life, the more our emotions are going to rise to the surface to be heard so that we can navigate situations better. Emotions are informants, not leaders. They're given to us as sensory experiences, feelings, so that we can begin to like make decisions about how to move forward in life by connecting that with our reason and our, our will and our values and all of those things. Um, but if I'm in a situation that I feel... Uh, a little bit angsty, a little out of control, have a little anxiety, that anxiety can tell me uh, we're safe. I need to do something different here. I need to be quiet or I need to be loud or different things like that. And so I think that control factor has a huge impact on the way that our teens' emotions come to the surface. And the more flexible our environments are, for who we are as people and what we need in any given moment, as well as for our own like personalities and things like that and values, then that's going to be a little bit easier to navigate. The more rigid they are, right? You all have been in different rigid educational systems, or you've experienced rigid um, maybe families that are more rigid than other families. Uh, those emotions are more likely to be challenging for us to navigate because we're not like listening to the information they're giving us in order to then process that with our reason and move through the situation. Yeah, that feels familiar in a lot of ways. <laughs> I'm thinking back to my teenage years. <laughs> but I, I, that is such a good point of when you're in these teenage years, like you're you're kind of adulting, but not really because you don't actually have control over a lot of things in your life but you want it and you know you're going to have that control eventually maybe but it's like it's it's a weird it's this weird place to be mm -hmm. yeah well and I think some of that comes from um again that idea of practicing like <laughs> practicing for adulthood and teenagers are really practicing right like we see it in little kids with play and things like that but teenagers are really practicing for adulthood um, and so there's that element. Sometimes I think we want them to be adults. Like we want them to understand their emotions when we don't. <laughs> hey, is there an adult team sticker? Like I understood my emotions today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, I need this. I need that. We're adding that to the series of stickers. From I literally Monday. have a, an emotional soup sticker started right here on Canva. I, so. love, it. I love it. <laughs> it's so challenging for us, though. How many days do you feel like, oh, I really understood my emotion today? <laughs> no, often we don't in adult life. But yet we look at the teens and the youth in our life and kind of expect them to be there. Um, when, again, that's a work of adulthood and even when we don't do great. So there's that practicing piece. But also keep developmental levels in mind here. So this would be back to, I think, always growing. Our series was that last year we walked through, or no, that was the year before, where we did um, Erickson's stages of development from a spiritual perspective. And teens are really in that space of identity formation, as well as a little bit of intimacy formation, which means co-regulation and starting to understand their emotions from themselves, but also from other people around them. And 
ooh, what's the big work of adulting is gaining that independence. So they're in this dependence, independence zone that goes back and forth. And that push and pull for dependence and independence will absolutely impact us emotionally and will impact us as parents and leaders and teachers and uh, pastors and youth uh, uh, DCEs and all the people in a youth's life. You're going to feel that push and pull. That is an emotional experience as much as it is um, a mental experience, uh, a reason-filled experience. Um, it is an emotion experience. And so we're going to have our own emotions about that too, to be aware of when we're interacting with the teens and youth in our life. So you also brought up transition. What is it about transition in teenage years that is so complicated? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Transitions require emotion um, processing. And I, a lot of the research says which I have mixed emotions about, as you know, but it also requires emotion regulation, then, right? So when there's any kind of transition, if you think about this in the smallest people around us, right? In our um, twos and three-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, we have to give them a lot of warnings before we go to, say, the grocery store. We have to give them a lot of warnings about what experiences are going to look like or what, even when we go to church, like, okay, so this is what church is kind of like, and this is how we sit, and you might feel like this, but we're going to do this. You know, you're trying to help them navigate it um, because it's a transition. The idea of going from home to somewhere else is a transition in that little person's life, and it upsets the balance of the system. Um, this is true when you think about classrooms, because we were talking about classrooms. You transition from you know, gym class or recess into learning time, you see that there's a need for some emotion processing and regulation for children. Um, okay, newsflash, the same is true for all of us. Like, I need a lot of warnings before I go to the grocery store. Like, Heidi, it's gonna be kind of loud. It's gonna be a sensory experience. There's a lot of fluorescent lighting, right? Because our sensory system is heavily connected to that emotion processing. Um, again, they're called feelings for a reason. Um, they really start in that sensory place. Um, and so then Andy mentioned the example of a middle schooler, you know, elementary to middle school. So I once had this safe, hopefully safe, classroom, um, and I might switch a couple spaces or there might be so many transitions in my life, like lunch and recess and all that. But now I'm maybe transitioning to a new building. I'm transitioning every hour to a new class. I'm transitioning. There's so many transitions um, in that space, especially for middle schoolers. No wonder the emotions are right at the surface and they need some processing time. Um, again, how much fluorescent lighting is there in schools? Oh, look at that. <laughs> that can be really stressful for kids and impact their emotional system because it's impacting their sensory system. Um, and you just keep going, right? Like high schoolers, they're, especially in our culture, constantly transitioning from one season to the next, right? Maybe a sporting event or, a, a, you know, music concert preparation or a certain, you know, finals week, or they're getting ready to make decisions about college. I could keep going, clearly. I will not. But there's just transition after transition. And I hope that you got in me unpacking some of that. And a little bit of the sense of how much emotion might be involved for them in that. And that might demand a little bit of time for rest, for processing, 
or conversations and all the things that help slow down our system. Can you hear that a little bit in what I'm saying? So we want to slow down the system for processing so the emotions can then move through us out into the world without them exploding onto everyone around us. Wow. That was a lot to consider. <laughs> do we need time to process? I do. I do. <laughs> always, always a lot to consider. We'll continue the conversation <laughs> in just a moment while I process. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment for more Mental Health Monday on the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golsa. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm regulating and processing. <laughs> it's good to be back. Did you get a little rest? It is Mental Health Monday, and we are chatting with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman, digging into emotions and teens, or teens and emotions. I'm not sure which comes first. Um, <laughs> but we're, we're talking about teens and emotions today, and particularly looking at what that emotional soup, what are the emotions that they might experience simultaneously uh, look like and what might impact those emotions, particularly in those transitions and their experience with control too. Um, we all have issues with control and mm-hmm. how that impacts our emotions and yep. transitions as well. Heidi, you talked about like you, you need, you know, teens need some and, and children too need some warnings about what's coming up or transitions. Uh, and you need that. I do too. Particularly for me, it's when, when plans change. Oh. I need a minute to like wrap my, even if it's mm-hmm. like we were going to go to dinner here and now we're going to go to dinner here. Or we're going to do this instead. I still need like a minute just to like process that Yep. before mm-hmm. I'm on board. doesn't mean I'm I'm not going to be on board. I just need a minute. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yep. you're nodding your head. Everybody's yeah. nodding their yep. head. So I'm not yes, we are all in agreement. Yeah. So it's true. Well, and you noted one, um, big difference I think that we see in the teen years and we see this in other spaces of life too um, but it's very clear to us culturally I think in the teen years um, is the hormonal changes right that our our thyroid glands and our adrenal glands and all these things that are part of our biology do impact us and our emotional right um talk about control our emotions are a really good space for us to have the reminder that God is in charge. We are not God. Um, when we feel a little overwhelmed, when things feel out of control, like when plans change, that God is, in fact, still in charge of the universe and holds it in his hand. And it sounds really, but that spiritual practice in a, in a little bit of transition that God is the one still holding the universe together. When I don't feel like I can hold the universe together, that does naturally regulate our emotions. And, you know, you can even like pull it into your spine is what I tell people. Let it settle in that nervous system 
that God is the master of the universe. This is a Genesis 3 problem. We want to be in charge until we figure out that we can't really do it very well. How do we help teens kind of navigate the fact that that there are hormonal things happening? And, and some of that, I mean, that is out of your control. What's happening? It is a natural thing in this time period. Uh, but it does, I mean, it, it can... I mean, even now, it just, it can really throw you off your rocker if, if all of a sudden your body feels in a certain way and you're like, where did this come from? And, and, it, and it, it does directly affect how you're able to like process things. Yeah, absolutely. I think two words that come to mind. One is normalize, normalize, mm-hmm. normalize. And so instead of starting out from maybe um, where the teen is at, I would start out with where humans are at. This is a very helpful mental health mechanism in general. It's not that we want to throw out anyone's individuality, but a lot of times we need to hear that it's not just us, that this is a very normal human experience, and that's a really good place to start. I think it's really easy to overemphasize or underemphasize what it feels like to be a teen. It's also easy to act like we know, like I understand their situation because I've been a teen once before when that never goes well. And so instead to normalize like, oh yeah, like when you feel like you're not going to do well on something, that's upsetting. That makes us feel overwhelmed. Or when friends are mean to us, a huge uh, a of sadness in life and we can feel really lonely, but kind of normalize the human experience. I think that's step one. Step two then is to ask, is this developmentally appropriate? Like, because the answer most of the time is yes. <laughs> like, the things that throw us off usually in our teens and youth are the things that are absolutely developmentally appropriate. And so I am a big fan of disarming honesty, which is the term that Daryl Zimmer means. Zimmerman, Zimmerman from Christie's Longest taught me back in the day that we just want to kind of call it what it is and say, you know, it's very developmentally appropriate for you to maybe have a moment of rage over this thing that's not maybe a huge deal. You know, throw in a little humor um, while not being um, bypassing or trying to placate, you know, be honest. Um, But let them know, like, this is a very normal thing to experience developmentally as well. How can I help you navigate that? What do you need right now? They will probably look at you like you are a fish with a single fin, you know, but that doesn't mean that we don't enter into their world to try to help them navigate. Um, That goes a long way in trust um, and being able to have the conversations that we need to have when we need to have them. What about, you know, at this stage in life as a teen, they might be thinking about their place in this world, not just in friendships, but also vocationally. And this might even be where they experience their first paying job or having responsibilities, being responsible for themselves. Um, I guess this comes back to control. Now they have some, Mm. maybe some more control um, over what they're doing or what they choose to do, maybe having more freedom um, being able to drive. <laughs> yes. Oh, I didn't even think of that one. Being able to drive. Mm-hmm. Hmm, not even ready for that one. Um, <laughs> uh, how does that, how can that impact emotional soup? New freedoms, new responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Noticing the pressure that's on teens is very important. 
especially in American culture. Um, I can't speak to other cultures, but in our culture, when I speak to a group of teens or a single teen, the pressure is very evident. Um, the pressure we feel for productivity as adults, even as someone balanced adults who are like, I don't need to perform for anyone, you know, um, there's still that external pressure culturally that's on us. And teens, I think, feel this actually heavier than we do as adults because of that choice factor, because of that control factor. Um, even if, yes, they can say no to the basketball season, are they going to disappoint everybody in their life? Are they disappointing a team? Is a coach that's a mentor important to them going to be mad at them? Um, they got to also keep up with youth group because, like, you know, church matters. Um, but I need to do these other things so I can get scholarships over here. I can feel, as I talk about it, the pressure that I see in our teens. And I think that's up to us as adults to deal with, honestly, emotionally. Like, why? Why are we handing off all these pressures to teens? Um, if there's a way we can release the valve a little bit for them in even a small way, asking them to go to coffee, sitting and processing the stuff of life, um, then we can, I think, begin to help them emotionally regulate a little bit more in the moment to moment. Um, that pressure, it, it stamps down on those emotions that are already building up and eventually they will just, you know, blow and explode or... If you've ever seen a teen kind of check out, we wonder why they're scrolling on their phones. Well, maybe because like they're feeling overwhelmed by life and we, they need a second. Um, it's one of our jobs as adults to teach them how to take that second in an intentional way rather than doom scrolling, you know, for hours on end or YouTube doom scrolling <laughs> for days on end. Um, but that checkout has a purpose um, and we don't want to deprecate them. Um, or uh, criticize them too much in those things. Um, they're really trying to get to know how their bodies are working and what they need in any given moments. And again, we don't do this well as adults. Um, so I think that's a huge piece of it is the pressure for teens today. What about friendships and social issues? You've mentioned it a couple of times that, that as we enter those teen years, our social groups change. Maybe if you're in a new school, you have to find new friends, first of all, which is not fun for anybody. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then figure out how all of those social things work and the peer pressure that happens when you get into more responsibility. How, do, how does all that affect all of these emotions with teens? We are people on the planet who want to be seen and loved. <laughs> And we cannot tell them enough that there is a God who sees and loves them. Um, I, I know we want them to get it together. I know we want to speak truth in love and let them know what sin is. But this is absolutely a time in life where they have so many entities and, and people and places telling them they're not good enough, that they um, are um, not important, their own self-talk in particular. Um, and so when we can enter in and just let them know that God is a God who sees them and loves them and knows them in Jesus Christ, um, we can get to all that other stuff, right? We can get to the other stuff, but they really need that message over and over and over again. Um, the social factor, I think, would, again, be lifted a little bit if the pressure wasn't there to make lifelong friends. <laughs> like, there's this idea that um, the people that we go to school with, there's something wrong with us. If we are having a hard time connecting with groups of people, if we're not friends with everyone, 
Or even if we have a hard time finding a best friend or that Disney channel, sorry to throw Disney under the bus, um, but it's reality is there's these ideas painted that we need to have some elements of best friends, groups of friendships, and remember that teens are practicing intimacy. That is not their developmental stage. They're busy trying to figure out who they are. Do you know how hard it is to make friends when you don't even know who you are? Um, there's nothing wrong with you, dear teenager. Um, that will be a work of uh, young adulthood and beyond, really, to make friends. Now, I had friends from high school, and we are lifelong friends. But that, I don't think, was a reality at that time. That came across time as we grew up. Um, together and made intentional plans together and spent time and had harder conversations as we went through things in life and sorted things. And so there will be some intimacy, but it, you know, there's nothing wrong with them if they don't have that. And I think we need the adults in teens' lives to tell them that more often is that friendship is awesome and it's okay if it's hard to find. And it's hard to find as an adult but it's especially hard when you don't have control over your environment and choosing who you're around and all of those things that go into it. And that is an emotional experience, as you can guess, in itself. And it sounds like for adults who are parents or adults who care for teens and youth, um, understanding these concepts and being able to put them into use is also going to help you as a parent or an adult who cares for teens to maybe, um, well, it's going to benefit you too. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's that navigation it's, factor, right? right? Well, it's that self-differentiation. So, so often, and we've talked about this in other episodes, I throw my emotions or project them onto someone else. I'm guessing at their emotion based on how I'm feeling. So a lot of times I might think my teen is anxious when really it's my own anxiety about their future or their vocation or their, you know, um, friendships and things like that. So being aware of that self-differentiation goes a very, very long way so that we can help them interpret what they're experiencing for themselves with God instead of me telling them what they're experiencing based on what I'm experiencing. Teens and emotions. Sarah, what was the next sticker you're working on for Mental Health Monday? I figured out my emotions today. Aha. Uh-huh. Very good. <laughs> Two of them now. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we're going to ever be able to pass that word out, but. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe adulting. some gold stars. We just need some gold stars. Heidi, always, uh, just always provides some great insights. Thanks so much for being with us today on Mental Health Monday on the Coffee Hour. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.